Welcome to the journey of an aesthete, a comprehensive examination of all things aesthetic, the arts, the humanities, and what it means to be human. Yes, hi. It's, How's it going? Oh, it's so great to talk to you now with everything going on in the world and <laughs> your book. And I'm so excited. I, um, welcome to um, our podcast again, A Return. Thank you. Engagement, uh, Journey of an Aesthete. Um, there's so much to talk about. I scarcely know where to begin. I know that you, we had talked a year ago or two years ago, and, and now the major reason you're here is your book, reading dangerously and this is a book lunch sort of show because i'm doing this series about particular books and i think your book is one of the most exciting um i think it's i i love your book and i think it's well we could talk more about it in detail but oh, it couldn't have been written that's great it's, it's so wonderful to hear you say so well i it could i'm sure you probably I, I if i had to guess i don't think you suspected you know, you're not the type of critic or writer to, to think first of relevance or topicality. But I'm sure yeah. even you must have been surprised at how your book landed at a perfect time. Yeah, um, I wish um, times were different and, and my book would, was irrelevant. But uh, these are amazing times. I mean, um, uh, we either transition to a uh, more democratic society or um, go the other way. Yeah. Uh, both of them are possible. Well, we, we're seeing both simultaneously, right? We're seeing, I mean, if we, if we leave aside art and aesthetics and look at the real world, in quotes, we're seeing all sorts of things happening at once, some positive and, and negative. You know, we're seeing, yeah. as you know, we're seeing authoritarianism uh, around the world, inside the United States, and um, a lot of it centers around censorship, right? A lot of it, wouldn't you say, yeah. a lot of it is, is basically treating a book, I don't know, treating the book not as an object of imagination or reflection, but as kind of a, um, as kind of a um, how-to manual or something, or something, yeah. Very, yeah. a roadmap, and it, but, but again, there's so much to talk about, I want to talk about this book in particular, Particularly, it opens up with Rushdie and Bradbury, and um, you, could, you could talk about that chapter. And it's, I should say that the book is epistolary, and you've done this before, right? You, you like this form. Of, uh, 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 you mean uh, the letter form? Yeah. Um, I liked it. I hadn't tried it um, before I had um, played with it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, and for this book, um, I, um, had, uh, a lot of, um, uh, difficulty, uh, trying to choose, um, the kind of letters that I wanted to write, yeah. uh, you know, uh, so that, um, they would be intimate, but at the same time, um, would not just be about my personal uh, uh, life and um, well, so. I'm, I'm very I'm very impressed with what you do with that and I think in earlier books you have brought in personal family and you you talked to your father uh, yeah for in earlier books and I always love that this entire book is your letters you know you're writing you know I know you haven't read the satanic verses I wish you could have read it 
um, what you would think. And it's, it's just so beautiful. There's a, um, I, I really, I, one of the things, one of the things I like about the book is how you balance this, um, these very intimate personal things with very, uh, universal global, you know, getting outside of just, uh, one person, just one family. It's very skilled in how you, in how you sort of do that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I always feel that um, uh, both in fiction and nonfiction, um, uh, the individual, we have to discover that inner core, uh, which is universal within anything that is particular. And, um, you know, uh, literature and arts are places where uh, uh, the limitations that life places on us uh, like um, nationality, race, gender, uh, uh, political uh, ideal, ideologies, religion, ethnicity, all of these um, are transcended uh, in um, literature and art, in the world of imagination and ideas. Uh, uh, so I, I tried to find that universal core at the heart of uh, uh, the more intimate personal experience. Yes, in, in the particular. So um, you might say, so I, I wonder, I'm going to ask you a question or a kind of an option of choices here. Um, I really would love to hear um, one of these letters or one of these, and maybe because Rushdie is on our minds, on my mind, uh-huh. uh, do we need to talk a little bit about what's happening with him first or, or read from your first uh, first part of the book where you discuss uh, Samir Rushdie, if you want to, or if you want to talk about something else. Or what you mean. No, um, I uh, began the book with Rushdie and uh, Plato and Bradbury because uh, uh, I felt that um, uh, this conflict between an absolutist mindset and um, that of the poet um, is not um, uh, new it has existed uh, since at least 2,000 years ago when um, Plato uh, wrote about his republic, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that animosity between the philosopher king and the poet um, was based mainly on the fact that uh, um, Plato felt that um, uh, the philosopher king um, would spread the noble lie. Right. Uh, so, so the whole uh, republic was based on a lie that would keep the people, um, you know, uh, in, uh, make make the people be controlled mm-hmm. uh, by the state, uh, and uh, within this sort of a controlled society, uh, the poet has no place. Uh, yeah. Of course, uh, in Plato's Republic, they exile him uh, because the poet is unpredictable. He brings to us ambiguities. He makes us question not just the world, but ourselves. And um, uh, he is in search of truth. So there is an inherent what happened between Ayatollah Khomeini and Salman Rushdie. Um, you could see that this inherent danger, an absolutist mindset would see uh, in a playful, mischievous uh, mindset like Rushdie's. Mm. 
you know, and uh, and then um, I thought that it is a good start for the kind of uh, book I wanted to write, which was the uh, subversive uh, and constructive role uh, that um, uh, imagination and ideas played Mm -hmm. in, in our lives. It's interesting. I mean, I'm not as intimate with Rishti as you as are you. Um, I did read Midnight's Children, however, way back in the uh-huh, yeah. Um, mainly because a teacher I had at Conservatory of Music said you got to read Midnight's Children. Of course, that was before um, um, the Satanic Verses came in and everything. Yeah. But the fatwa was issued what in '89. That was the year I graduated from. I got my um, bachelor's in music. Um, uh-huh. It's interesting to think about then and now, and, and they like they did attack him just this month in New York. And I just um, I'm wondering your reflections on where we're. I mean, it's um, it's a con- and you mentioned Plato. It's a very complicated issue because, of course, there are defenders of Plato, yeah. right? That try to yeah. uh, try to. Um, I don't know, say, well, we, we're misreading Plato, he's not a tyrant, you know, he's worried just about bad poetry or this kind of thing to try to cover, you know, as you know, try to cover, cover yeah. over. But anyhow, it's complicated, the philosophy and yeah. philosophy and um, it, it, it is complicated. And I try to bring a little bit of that com- complication um, uh, into the discussion of him. Uh, because in the same book, I mean, in The Republic, he also talks about um, how we uh, ordinary mortals um, are afraid of enlightenment, afraid of the truth, right. and uh, we don't want to hear it. Um, so uh, while on one hand he's um, uh, talking about the noble lie, on the other uh, he's talking about the dangers uh, of blindness, uh, of ignorance, and, 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 and the seductions of ignorance. Uh, and and we see it in our own society today, mm-hmm. uh, the QAnon and uh, Trump's lies. You know how? Uh, uh, I mean, it's surprising that in a democracy, uh, so many people believe the lies. Yeah, you know. Well, you know what's what's noteworthy about these news items, like this QAnon, is how similar they are to some of the inventions of certain novelists and writers. Yeah. As you know, many writers, particularly in the 80s and early 90s, um, in fiction, were, were, were inventing cults and inventing strange – I mean, Don DeLillo does this in his work. Mm. He does it. It's interesting. It's like um, – it's, it's, it's very uncanny that the, it's not, now a real yeah. thing in the world. That 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 is the whole um, miracle of uh, great writing, uh, the fact that um, they um, reconstruct the past for us and uh, reveal the present and uh, predict the future. Uh, I mean, so many works of art uh, that were written 2,000 years ago are still relevant today. Uh, and um, uh, one reason I brought um, uh, Ray Bradbury uh, was because he showed uh, how dangerous uh, 
um, uh, fiction is, how dangerous uh, thinking is. And he also predicted uh, um, the kind of world we live in right now, a world that, that is so superficial. Mm-hmm. Well, there's certainly and, some of that, there's yeah. some of that worry in The Illustrated Man, not, not just Fahrenheit. I mean, it's actually in more than one text. Um, by him, he, that, 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 would you say that that was a theme throughout his, his, um, his, uh, the, a lot of his different? Uh, that that uh, I'm sorry, I I didn't get the question. Oh no, no, my question was about Ray Bradbury's entire oeuvre. You know, that seems to be a yeah. common theme, and like the Illustrated Man comes to mind for some reason, um, as much as Fahrenheit yeah. 451. Yeah, he was worried about about that. Much. Yeah, he was worried about uh, that, and uh, uh, he, um, I mean, in Fahrenheit 451, uh, where you have um, these screens, like TV screens on the walls uh, of, of people, and people um, uh, find this, these TV characters as their real family. That's right. And participate. They participate in the lie, uh, and um, uh, we we can see it now. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, each of the writers uh, I wrote about mm-hmm. uh, in this book, uh, in one way or another, have predicted Thanks. what is happening uh, right now. Um, uh, all, all of them have lived. Uh, uh, in uh, societies that have been totalitarian. I mean, Atwood has not been a citizen of a totalitarian state, uh, but she she was in East Germany for a while, lived in East Germany. Interesting. Uh, And so all of them have been. That's really, I did not know that about her, about her living. That's it. I'm I'm, I'm sure that informs her writing. I'm sure that has an effect on... um, live in East Germany. Yeah, I mean, she, uh, what surprised me and my Persian friends who had lived under the Islamic Republic was how uh, accurately uh, she portrays um, uh, the totalitarian mindset mm-hmm. uh, and, and how she uh, creates the atmosphere mm-hmm. uh, of a totalitarian system. And, uh, of course, I mentioned in the book that uh, uh, she definitely had the Islamic Republic also in mind, mm-hmm. although she doesn't mention it, but at mm-hmm. the end of the book, um, uh, she has an appendix, uh, I mean, to the uh, fictional one, uh, where this professor is... Um, um, giving a paper on the two uh, uh, totalitarian republics, Gilead, which is the imaginary one in Atwood's book, and the Islamic Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, she was, she's completely aware mm-hmm. of um, uh, what the texture of life in a society, a totalitarian society is. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, and you d- you've done an enormous amount of teaching, and I guess in teaching, you're teaching books, right? Novels yeah. and, and short stories, probably, and even other things. I don't know. Um, maybe other kinds of texts. I, I don't. I wouldn't know. But yeah. but I'm wondering. Um, 
do you think the problem is rooted in a misunderstanding of what a book is? I mean, I just, I sort of an odd way to put it or wonky way to put it, but I don't know quite how to, is, is it sort of um, a, a kind of an, uh, um, I don't know, a misperception of the book itself or is it, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think that um, censorship itself is based on this kind of a mindset that um, uh, does not want to see reality, but wants to impose his or her fiction uh, on, on, on reality. And therefore, um, they, they mistake fiction for reality, you know. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I remember we were talking in my class with my students that um, uh, if we read a book uh, from the eye of censorship, for example, they say um, Madame Bovary um, mm-hmm. uh, is bad because uh, it promotes um, uh, adultery. We read Madame Bovary, we become adulterers. Well, first of all, um, Madame Bovary does not have a very happy ending. Uh, so adultery is not rewarded, but that is not the point. Right. The point is that um, uh, the book is not about adultery, uh, although there is adultery in it, but it is about um, imposing your dreams upon your reality so that you live in a dream world mm-hmm. detached from that reality. That is what Madame Bovary is talking about. If um, we read a book and then we went and did what the characters in the book would do, um, in Old Man and the Sea, you would go fishing. I mean, would Moby Dick. (laughs) Uh, You learn how to fish, how to catch a whale. Uh, You know, uh, Moby Dick, uh, hold that thought. uh, That reminds me of Ray Bradbury. Because he wrote yeah. a script for John Huston's picture, I'm wondering what you feel about that film and what he what he did they did with that. Your impressions of Gregory Peck. And- uh, I have. I wish I had seen it recently. I haven't. Uh, it's. Uh, uh, was that the movie with uh, Julie Christie in it? No, it's the. It's. Uh, it's. Yeah, it's Moby Dick. Uh, Ray Bradbury. Oh, Moby Dick. Oh, Moby Dick. Yes. Uh, that film uh, the, the, with Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck, yeah. Yeah. That's Ray Bradbury. Uh, I, God, I saw it when I was so young. Um, I don't remember it enough okay. to be able to uh, talk about it. Yeah. It's just a fair question because we were talking about Bradbury. I mean, um, he must have been quite a quite something to be able to do that. It's not yeah. an easy, easy task to take a novel like that and write a script. Um, no, he is really amazing. I mean... Um, but I, I'm, I'm just wondering, yeah, it's this thing about book or censorship. So what do you... I'm just wondering um, about if you want to talk about some of the other writers in your book, Reading Dangerously, maybe um, not just Atwood, but Grossman and Ackerman. There's, there's you um, very educational, introducing a lot of things. Yeah, that, that um, chapter, uh, 
it became really interesting to me. First of all, um, Grossman is so uh, preoccupied with the idea of not dehumanizing your enemy. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and that is at the core of so many of his writings. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we know that politically he's very progressive and uh, he supports um, uh, Palestinian struggle uh, against um, the occupation of the lands and things like that. But, uh, but in his uh, books, uh, he's not being political. No. Uh, uh, he is being um, existential. I mean, there are things that we resist because they are existentially wrong. Mm-hmm. And and he focuses on the lives of individuals rather than on political concepts. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was interesting to put him side by side with someone who had been active in um, the Palestinian resistance, uh, Elias Khoury. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, uh, he uh, also, like Grossman, um, does not want to dehumanize the enemy. Mm-hmm. And he uh, talks about the Holocaust mm-hmm. and, and says that we are all guilty um, mm-hmm. of not uh, supporting the, the Jewish people when we had to. They both um, see something universal uh in uh, that that is reflected in literature and uh, and and arts uh, and then of course um, uh, Ackerman uh, uh, is in a different way mm. than um, Grossman and Hori is involved uh, uh, in the war uh, and uh, uh, I found it fascinating uh, the the, the passage I bring in my book from Ackerman's book, where he talks, he after the war in Iraq, where he served, uh, there's a meeting between him and a former Al Qaeda mm. operative, you know, and they find so much in common. They they end up talking about their children, mm. uh, you know, and. Uh, uh, it is amazing. These are the people who have experienced it, who have been at, in the heat of the war, mm-hmm. and yet they are so humane um, that, and, and they're not forgiving. I mean, it doesn't mean that no. because your enemy is human, um, all is forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I uh, bring examples from um, the Nuremberg trials. Uh, now, those trials were not uh, ideas, but they showed the difference between a democratic society and a totalitarian one. Yes. Hitler would have uh, had his concentration camps and killing people, and everybody knew it, but would would the allies, what they did was not just put those people against the wall and, and shoot them. Uh, they gave them the chance to defend themselves, even though they had committed the worst, most heinous um, mm-hmm. uh, crimes. Mm-hmm. And you do that because you want to remain humane yourself. That's right. That's right. That's really important. I mean, losing people, there's a lot of anxiety about losing the humanity. Yeah. That, that's a theme. I mean, that's often, I actually think it's a theme in some current literature, um, but it's often talked about um, 
in mid 20th century literature, of course, right? Uh, or at least mm-hmm. 60s and 70s, that there's a, you know, um, a kind of, uh, oh, Raymond Carver, maybe a little bit, you know, kind of the mm-hmm. anxiety about sub- a certain kind of suburban life being yeah. being restricting and, and so forth, or, or, or a kind of a working class life being restricting, or, you know, um, that's a but I think it's still a theme. I mean, I just finished, uh, what are you reading now? I just finished a, an interesting book, uh, by Teddy Wang about people. Uh, Do you know Teddy Wang? No. Yeah. It's a book, a book about liberals in Brooklyn dealing with Trumpism. And it's a very, it's almost a comedy of manners. It's very funny. Wow. Yeah. It just came out. Um, it's called the great man theory. So I finished that. The great what theory? The great man theory. Is the title? Yeah, yeah, he's in Brooklyn. I'm also reading Emily Costello's book. I'm sure. Which one? It's a book about how to read now. Oh. Which I think is it's a very it's a very tendentious book and very um, uh, political book. You know, it's kind of it's kind of a little bit like a um, response to How to Read and Why by Bloom from 20 years ago. So um, that's interesting. So that's kind of what things I'm reading now, but I'm wondering what you're. What you're well, um, I I I just finished uh, this book by this uh, Polish Nobel laureate, Olga. I can't pronounce her last name. Okay. Drive your claw over the bones of the dead. Whoa. Uh, it is uh, a sort of a, a macabre comedy. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, which um, baffles you, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, you know, it's, uh, you, you can't take, there's sort of a mystery mm-hmm. uh, side to it. People are being found dead around this little hamlet that, uh, where the narrator is talking about. Um, uh, but uh, so I just finished that one and I'm having um, I have Elliot Ackerman's The Fifth Act Oh wow! Um, America's End in Afghanistan he's a very beautiful writer mm-hmm. um, I, and um, then a translation of um, there's this book uh, um, which is uh, a translation of thousand years of Persian speaking women poets, female poets. Uh, And when you read that book, it is amazing to see that a thousand years ago, how women, how uh, it seems as if they were born yesterday. They are so um, uh, courageous. Uh, they are so um, uh, concrete in um, expressing their feelings and their emotions. Uh, and uh, anyone who talks about um, uh, women from Middle Eastern countries, or uh, of course, um, Iran is Persian, but uh, nonetheless, um, uh, from uh, that part of the world, 
and uh, you know unfortunately nowadays when you talk about it um, uh, only clerics with turbans come to mind uh, but that is not uh, the whole picture no. uh, the, there are um, especially when we come to women uh, they, they are amazing and, and the way they have been fighting and they are still fighting mm-hmm. uh, for their rights um, so I'm reading that mm-hmm. as well and I'm reading mystery yeah, you like mysteries. I know that you've written. I like mysteries. I know that you like I, Dorothy Sayers. I think, if I remember. Yeah, I like those. I like Dorothy Sayers, yeah. but um, uh, I like so many of them. Uh, but um, uh, I have always been curious about the ethics oh. and morality in uh, in mystery and how um, the main character. Um, is always um, subversive and anti-establishment uh, in a way. Um, so, uh, well, what mystery have you been reading? Then you said you've been. Uh, uh, well, uh, recently I have been reading the ones that I had uh, uh, not read before. So I finished all the books by Louis Denny, mm-hmm. and. Um, I am now going through Anne Perry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, those are the books uh, yeah. that I have been reading. Um, uh, and uh, I'm interested in uh, the way uh, they bring uh, in society and uh, social and um, uh, political uh, problems, uh, the way they weave it uh, uh, within the plot. That's interesting. Everybody needs an anchor in life. You, me, just everybody. Anchor made this whole show possible. I'm immensely grateful to them. You too can use Anchor to make your own shows and create your own vision. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm wondering your thoughts on the connection between different art forms because I I don't know for some reason I we watched because uh, we we lost uh, Karastami uh, some years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. I we watched yeah. Taste of Cherry and Ten and the, mm. the Wind Will Carry Us. Um, these are yeah. remarkable, remarkable films. But I'm just wondering what you feel about the relationship between what say what he does and things in in literature. Uh, what comes to mind? Because I don't really, that's not something that I would really know as much. Uh, what, what he does uh, in relation to literature or? Uh, uh, the written word and image or the, or the um, yeah. any thoughts you have about that? Well, um, you know, I, um, I, was, I participated in um, the movie he made, uh, Bl- um, Close Up. You're in that? Uh, I know. I decided that I want to write a book about it. Oh my God! And uh, uh, and so uh, every morning, uh, Kiara Sami would come and pick me up. Oh wow! And we'll we'll go uh, to um, the different scenes and places. Uh, and uh, um, it was interesting uh, how um, people, when they became um, aware that I was um, there for writing a book, how they 
changed their attitude towards me changed. Mm-hmm. Um, they all became a little bit more artificial mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and uh, guarded. But um, it was uh, quite an amazing experience. I liked uh, the way Kiarostami um, played with reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, how he has this uh, dry um, sense of humor uh, mm-hmm. that uh, I very much uh, appreciated. He he loved to play jokes on you mm-hmm. all the time. Well, what are some examples uh, of jokes that he did play, or any anything that comes to mind? Stories about him with that experience, because that's quite. Wh- well, he actually that film was also um, um, memorable uh, because of one other director's uh, participation in it, uh, which was Mahmal Bar, uh, the the director. Where, uh, yeah, he was and. Um, well, when Kiaro Sami told me that um, we'll be meeting Mahmalbov, I was really uh, on my guard. I really disliked him. He was so pro. I mean, he was the darling of the regime. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. And uh, he had said that um, uh, the damned Fellini and uh, um, I don't remember the other Antonioni, maybe, uh, they should be um, killed, you know, oh, wow. and and so I was, but things were changing, yeah, and uh, it was very interesting. The first time I saw him, um, uh, he was holding a book by Iran's most popular uh, feminist poet mm-hmm. who had died uh, in an accident, um, and the regime, of course, ha- she was among the first to be um, banned uh, mm-hmm. in Iran, and uh, and he came with a copy of her book wow. and talked about Rumi. Oh, wow. and and talked about how uh, um, you know, like for Rumi was explaining about how um, he drops a mirror uh, and the mirror breaks, and then you see the world through all these different fragments of the mirror. So the world is uh, various, and uh, uh, and exactly opposite everything he had been, and that was the beginning mm. of. Malbov's uh, transformation wow. uh, from the darling of the regime uh, to the enemy of the regime. <laughs> so that is it, it's interesting to see about, it's always interesting to me because I'm kind of an outsider. So when you think uh-huh. about someone like Mary Evans or George Eliot changing her philo- philosophical point of view and hanging out with uh-huh. Spencer and maybe developing some bad ideas perhaps, or maybe, or, you know, vice versa or, it's interesting to think about artists having their own points of view, right, and changing. And that's something that's, uh, that's a thing. Yeah, it, it, it is very interesting. Uh, with Mahmal Bas, I always say uh, he had this illusion that he will change the camera, uh, yeah. that he will change. But the camera changed him. Yes. Uh, uh, his contact with um, uh, with art uh, uh, made him 
go back and look at uh, uh, look at the damned Fellini and Antonioni and Rossellini, and uh, be um, uh, seduced by them. Yeah. And uh, he then also uh, had. Uh, attacked Kiarostami and Beizai and all the um, old men of the Iranian cinema. That's and then he um, made a film uh, taking very much from Kiarostami's cue, right. um, uh, where he um, celebrates uh, uh, the Iranian cinema from the beginning uh, uh, of its uh, uh, conception and uh, at the beginning of the 20th century. And he goes through all these films and uh, uh, directors that he had before um, been <laughs> very nasty towards, mm. you know. Uh, and so um, uh, uh, it is uh, interesting how art can change you. Right. Uh, I have... I have seen it with my students. I have seen it with my Orthodox Muslim students who begin hating the novels, and when they read them, they change, or when they see the film, they change. Interesting. What comes to mind is an obvious example. The first book, I don't know, anything that pops into your mind of that. that uh, uh, of course, excepting Lolita, because you wrote about that, but other... other um, uh, what comes to mind? Uh, Henry James or something? Uh, something you mean someone? Uh, you mean? Oh, you mean someone liking it? Yes, yeah, discovering yeah. something new and discovering. Well, um, the most uh, horrendous, actually, experience I had uh, with Henry James was with this. Um, uh, this is a little too long. Should I say not say this and say something shorter? I, it's up yeah. to you. You're the you're the guest. The guest is the boss on my show. If you wanna, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you what to. If you if you think uh, it's too technical or too. Um, no, it's not technical. Well, uh, I'll tell you. You can cut it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the, I had uh, the first year um, I went back to Iran. Um, that first year I taught at a uh, girls' uh, university. And um, uh, one of my uh, students was an Orthodox Muslim mm -hmm. uh, girl who was very slight and um, um, very curious. And uh, he, she came from a very poor family. Her father had died, and her mother was a cleaning lady. And um, and she belonged to a Muslim organization, but it was uh, an organization that was the opponent of the regime. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, to make this long story short, um, uh, when we started with Henry James, uh, uh, she became um, very much enamored of him. And what the reason she loved Henry James was because of his uh, uh, we, um, independent-minded women, Daisy mm -hmm. uh, Miller oh, yeah. and uh, Catherine Sloper in Washington Square. She right. she was very um, and after class she would stay and talk to me. Oh wow! Um, 
about uh, about them. And oh, once mm. the, she laughed and said, um, uh, I think I'm in love. And she meant that she was in love with Henry James. Mm. Anyway, I That's left great. that university and I lost touch with her. Mm-hmm. And... Um, then uh, some years later, another student of mine who, uh, who belonged to the leftist uh, mm. uh, uh, students at the university, and she had been jailed and uh, arrested and jailed and um, uh, had uh, she came to see me at the new university I was teaching, and she was talking about her jail experiences, and she said that she was in the same cell with Razier, that mm-hmm. girl who loved Henry James. Mm-hmm. And she said we had a lot of fun because we would talk, I would talk about the great Gatsby, oh. and she would talk about Henry James, mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, we would t- tell about our memories of the class. Uh, uh, and uh, then she paused and said, you know, Razier was executed. Uh, And um, I promised myself that wherever, I talk about it in my book as well, Mm -hmm. but uh, I promised myself that um, wherever and whenever uh, it is appropriate, I want to bring her name. That is the only way I can pay tribute to her, and is by keeping her memory um, alive. And the the thing that made me feel that Razier's uh, uh, life and death are both um, carriers of hope mm-hmm. uh, is that, you know, I ask myself, Henry James couldn't uh, save Razier uh, from execution. What is it in works of art and literature um, that when people are at death, door, they turn to them. I mean, you read so many uh, memoirs from concentration camps mm. and gulags uh, where people turn to poetry. They, they talk about Dante and, uh, you know, uh, it is because when you have lost all faith in humanity, you instinctively turn back towards the best achievements of humanity. And, and uh, those things that remind you of life rather than death, and that is literature and art, and, and, and that is the miraculous role uh, that literature and arts play in our lives. And uh, uh, sometimes we are so um, ignorant that we neglect them. That's so beautifully put, and I'm certainly going to keep that in the show. No editing of that. That's um, that's pretty, uh, pretty important. I think. Um, Thank you. I think you know. I want to ask you a question. You, an offhand remark you made at a lecture, where you were kind of down on STEM. You said you don't believe in oh. STEM teaching. I thought that was kind of funny, but I, but I, but I thought you had more to say on that, and maybe that our, our schools are too STEM based a little bit, and not, and not. Uh, well, I I was just against the whole idea behind these things. You know, uh, there was there's a utilitarian um, 
tendency uh, uh, in in American education, mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, that um, uh, is does not look at the process, uh, but looks at the rewards at the end of the process. Yeah, uh, and and that that is what and 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 you know, uh, one of the things that makes the difference between us and totalitarian societies um, is liberal arts and uh, humanities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing that um, uh, the Islamic regime uh, attacked was teaching humanities in, um, at the universities. Khomeini said that universities were uh, more dangerous than bombs. That, you know, uh, now everybody could take engineering and science. Nobody would um, tell them not to, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was humanities and liberal arts that they were worried about. And that is one thing that um, uh, a democratic society has to offer, especially in the United States, all these uh, liberal art colleges and uh, uh, all the focus on not the rewards, not how much money I will make if I take a course, yeah. uh, but how much knowledge. Mm. I mean, mm. without knowledge, how can you live in a democratic society? Mm-hmm. Just a simple act or the not so simple act of um, voting Mm. Uh, uh, comes with the knowledge of your own country's mm-hmm. history and some history of the world, the the, the values. Uh, I mean, uh, you can see right now uh, how ignorance is uh, eroding our uh, electoral colleges. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I just. Um, it wasn't just them; it was just the whole system right. that that is problematic. Uh, we don't go to university um, to make money. Uh, we do need to make money in order to live, yeah. but uh, but uh, every democracy has to provide its citizens with free quality education and health. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is fundamental mm-hmm. uh, to to um, uh, preservation of democracy, and I'm so scared uh, because of what is happening in our um, colleges and schools. Mm. Yes, it definitely connects to your new book. Uh, your book is it says our Nathizi read dangerously the subversive power of literature in troubled times. Is there anything you want to say about the reception of the book and the way the book um, – I mean, I'm just one person, but I know you're, uh, some things come to your mind of how people were receiving it and discussing it. And, and, and. Yeah, one of the great feelings I had with this book, to tell you the truth, is the conversations around it. Um, uh, it is um, – 
uh, a tribute to the readers okay. <laughs> uh, rather than uh, because um, uh, you know uh, uh, it is really strange but when you talk with someone who has gotten it you know um, you sometimes find these nooks and corners in your book that you had not paid attention to or you had missed I mean you get to know your book again mm. and um, I've had some really uh, enthusiastic reception uh, uh, where people formulate uh, their ideas mm -hmm. on reading the book um, in such a new way, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that um, I like. But um, there was one uh, reader who felt that I was being very pompous. So, pompous, huh? Yeah, that's yeah. That's so, a curious adjective. I don't quite know what that means, but but what? <laughs> I mean, that's. Uh, I don't know, but uh, that was uh, the criticism that comes to my mind. But um, uh, mainly, it has been receptive. Well, hold, hold, well, hold on. Could it be that they don't understand the form of it? I mean, because you're writing, yeah. you're writing, you're writing to your father, um, late father. Uh, and it's, there's a certain kind of um, affection and, and, and a poetry in that. Maybe they, maybe they misunderstood that. Maybe they didn't. They didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. But um, uh, there were so many wonderful um, reactions that I, uh, I felt, uh, quote unquote, this cliche, I felt blessed. <laughs> yes, certainly. Well, we're, we're blessed to have you uh, on this on this uh, book lunch because uh, I got to say this is a. I want everybody to go out well, and get this book and read it. <laughs> read well, it. Uh, it is such a joy talking to you. It's a joy having you here, and I, I wish you uh, um, uh, that this book continues to grow, and that maybe this book will turn a corner uh, for the better. In our political and civic life, if that's if that's, and so uh, you can be a little less worried uh, than we are now. Yeah, let's. I keep having my fingers crossed, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, as as on Nafisi, is there anything else you want to say before we conclude? Anything that's on your mind? It's well, at the end of my book, I bring a slogan, although I hate slogans, yeah, and yeah. I say that readers of the world unite. So I think this is the time not just for writers, but for readers mm. to understand their power and to understand the urgency mm. of uh, celebrating and preserving uh, ideas and imagination, preserving books and fighting against censorship. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Azan Ibizi, for your generosity and for this book. You're one of my favorite people on the show. And um I, I wish you a, a good uh, fall and thank, coming season. Thank you very much, Mitch. And uh, you will send us the link, right? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Uh, bye. I don't like goodbyes, so I'll see you soon, folks. Thank you. Mm -hmm.